Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got Kyle Peterson from Wired to Fish on the show this week. Uh, Kyle's a Minnesota resident, naturally. Uh, this is the week of the Minnesota Walleye Opener, a very uh, uh, anticipated weekend of the year. And uh, yeah, this is just a really, really fun conversation. I- I've never met Kyle uh, or talked to him whatsoever prior to this conversation. So, so much of this interview is uh, just getting to know Kyle as an angler, both you know personally going way back to his childhood stories and all the things that he's learned and, and developed and skills that he's developed as an angler there, but also his professional career and, and the content creation that he is involved in over at Wired to Fish and, and some of the jobs that he's had in the industry prior. So yeah, just, just listening to Kyle's kind of story or life story throughout this interview offers a lot, you know, listening to his strategy to fishing in certain situations. Uh, but, you know, we don't necessarily deep dive into any one specific scenario or any one specific piece of technical information, if you will, like we do on other episodes. But just getting to know Kyle and listening to him talk as an angler and, and just sort of his ideas and, and strategies and opinions is still very, very informational and a great conversation to have the week of the Minnesota walleye opener. So let's get to it here. We've got Kyle Peterson, Wired to Fish. We're talking spring walleye fishing in Minnesota. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. In the 2023 fishing season, the state of North Dakota is putting on the 2023 Sport Fish Challenge. Now, the process is simple. You're going to catch a variety of fish, take pictures of them, submit those pictures. If you do it all over the course of the season, you're going to win some cool prizes. For full challenge details, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov backslash fish hyphen challenge. Now, let's get into the interview. First question, we just got to get to know you. So who is Kyle Peterson, uh, the angler, the 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 outdoor extraordinaire? Go for it, man. <laughs> extraordinaire is, a, is awfully generous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kyle Peterson, and uh, I'm from Minnesota. Grew up in kind of central Minnesota, central northern Minnesota. And uh, born and raised here around the Brainerd Lakes area. And uh, I started fishing ever since I I knew about it. You know, it, my dad took me when I was a little kid. My grandpa took me. Um, we had a family cabin, or I should say my grandparents had a family cabin uh, up on Mitchell Lake. And that's, that's kind of where I learned to cut my teeth, Great Lake. I uh, have a lot of fond memories out there. Uh, grandpa took me fishing. My dad took me fishing again. That was just, you know, typical, typical Minnesota kid, 10,000 lakes, just a lot of water at my disposal. And from there, you know, then it was, then it got, you know, got into grade school and pretty soon my buddies and I are fishing and, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're stealing the boat and headed headed down the river, um, you know, the, being as young as we were, we, we weren't allowed to have a motor or anything, so we were just in a little tinner with some oars and nice. an anchor. Yeah, throwing throwing uh, 
Rapala skitter pops and and uh stuff like that so we always we, we gravitated naturally toward uh top water of course oh yeah for largemouth bass yeah yeah and and, and that particular lake has has both and um yeah we spent a ton of time out there i mean every waking minute it seemed like and then we had a handful of little uh you know streams that we would go and fish to nearby jump on the bikes and head down to the river and uh you know fart around down there and from there i mean that 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 just grew and grew um it was it was one of those things where you know my parents were like you know you've got to get you've got to get some things figured out as I, oh, yeah. as I was approaching as I was approaching graduating high school, you know, I'm like, I just love I love hunting and fishing. I can't help it. I can't help it. I absolutely love it. And uh before I knew it, I was like I started, you know, in this industry it's it's kinda a little bit of who you know and um friend of a friend, you know, talked to him, said, Hey, we might need some summer help. Um learning you know i started to learn how to shoot and they're like well we've got it we've, we've got a a trip headed out to um it was actually i believe it was it was out in devil's lake north dakota um for an flw walleye tournament <clears throat> that was the first trip filming i had ever been on and and that was through uh through a couple of the guys that used to work at in fishermen and, and linders linders uh linder media productions and you know that was like right out of high school i i remember having i had like a two-hour job interview with a gentleman by the name of chad cool and uh and uh, he goes, pack your bags. We're going to we're going to North Dakota next week. Oh man, you must you must have made a good I, impression. Yeah, I must have. Or I, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, all right. You know, I was I was single and right out, fresh out of high school. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And from there, I I just I, they threw cameras at me, and I started to learn how to shoot a little bit and probably not well at all but good enough <laughs> and now it's like you know now we're we're uh oh my gosh all of 15 pushing 20 years later i suppose <clears throat> i currently work with a company now called wired to fish fishing website produce uh fishing written article and video along with the so you know the gamut of social channels out there and that's been going well having fun doing it what what parts of wired to fish have your fingerprints on them just just talk a little bit about your your time there your job there you know there's about 10 of us at wired to fish currently and uh my role is for the most part video and video editing I do a lot of the filming, um, handle a lot of underwater photography. I do some diving along with a lot of underwater lures and fish and, and things that you would see on our website. So between the written articles and the video, 
Um, you know, I, I take care of, well, there's a, there's a team of us that, that do video content and, and I'm one of them. Right on, man. So I feel like this is a fair question. Like, you know, everybody comes up, you know, a a little bit different. Everybody kind of, you know, grows up and gets exposed to fishing differently and you kind of move, you know, your career and your learning curve and your, your fishing skills or just your exposures, you know, we're all kind of on a, maybe a little bit different track. And, you know, for you, the question would be like, at what point in time do you feel like you were exposed to, you know, maybe like a higher level of fishing or, or at some point, you know, you probably had a passion when you were younger, but then, uh, you know, you started to kind of get exposed to a higher level of things and it didn't really kind of change the trajectory of your own fishing skills. You know, you talk about being a videographer, but I, I assume you fish a lot too, or at least as much as you can. Talk a little bit about yourself and your fishing skills and your career on that, that, those side of things. Yeah, I've been, um, from a young age, I was pretty heavily exposed into some higher level fishing, more, more than most. Um, and that, like, I, like I said earlier, uh, that probably started when I jumped in the boat with some of these professional walleye anglers, you know, I, <laughs> you get in the boat and they've got 250 horsepower mercuries on the back and you're just like, holy cow, from the motors to the electronics to the you know, the rods and the reels and all the different tactics from downriggers to planer boards and flatline and you name it. It just, it was uh, a, just an absolute plethora of knowledge that came my way. And then, um, you know, then I started filming more for the Linders later on. And that was just as eye-opening, you know, James and Al and Ron, and I got to get in the boat with all those guys. Um, Bill Linder taught me a lot. Mike Hayner, Jeremy Smith from, you know, and then that's where the multi-species started to come in. And and I was never uh, growing up. I always just wanted to catch whatever was biting. I didn't, I didn't care if it was a good crappie bite or if the large mouse are up shallow on a warm spring day or, or what. Um, but that, that took my fishing career to the next level. Yeah. I think that, you know, remembering those are just always remembering or being able to, you know, sort of talk about or share stories like that, you know, whether it's at a campfire or on a podcast like this, like those are usually those big turning points in anybody's career. And sometimes it's later in life. Sometimes you fish your own home body of water, you know, with your, with your grandpa for, you know, 25, 30 years and, you know, and then, uh, you know, maybe it's YouTube or maybe it's, uh, you know, watching a TV program or, or maybe going to a weigh-in at a NWT or something like that. And you just kind of, you know, the industry kind of, you know, exposes you to something that's, that's, you know, beyond your own, you know, the, the comprehension that you're born with anyways. And, uh, those are just big, mem- big, big memories, you know, big, you know, trajectory, uh, uh, manipulators in, in, in your career. And I just, you know, knowing where, knowing where somebody comes from, you know, we're getting to know you personally. And I just love hearing that because I think, you know, like you said, at your age, you were, you know, freshly out of high school, getting in the boat with, uh, you know, professional walleye anglers, you know, to film, you know, the FLW, like, 
you know, you were probably at your age, you know, in a small percentile of individuals that was seeing the best of equipment being used by the best of equipment operators, you know, in that industry. Absolutely. That was a pivotal moment in my, uh, in my career where I got, you know, it was, you get a little bit starstruck at first when you jump in the boat with Al or, you know, oh, Ted yeah. Takasaki or some of the greatest, you know, Scott Glorvigan or anybody like that. Those guys are the, you know, the best of the best. And, then me being there and don't get me wrong i got to watch my you know i watched my fair share of youtube videos and stuff like that i mean i got to watch it unfold firsthand boots on the ground right then and there you know so that was that was that was and you know i then i got to just simply ask questions while i was there living it you know so that was that was very very fortunate that's a great experience, and I mean, we're definitely going to talk some fishing in this. We're not going to just sit and completely tell stories, but I just really like it. I just love it. I would say, you know, along the lines of, you know, th- this might be my transition here because I want to talk to you, you know, this time of year, it's the walleye opener. What What's the walleye opener for you? If you were to look back, you know, and just think about the memories and, and just sort of, you know, what the walleye opener in Minnesota is like for you and what it does for you. And just like, what are some of the first thoughts? Oh man, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a loaded mixed feelings question on the walleye opener. (laughs) If you've ever fished Minnesota's walleye opener, you can know, you, you know very well that, uh, that can dish out many of different things. Mother nature, mother nature has a way of, uh, of being quite interesting in these parts it uh you could be freezing cold i mean gal if you're far enough north some people have ice fished on uh on openers so i gosh i really for me the walleye opener it's that's a hard one because i i unless i know of something that's going down as far as walleyes go i <laughs> I probably won't even bother with it in all honesty. I'll go find me a warm bay somewhere and catch some crappies. <laughs> Every year is so different, right? And that that's going to be probably a big part of this conversation, the questions that I have for you and, you know, sort sure. of like, you know, the, the things it's like the walleye opener in Minnesota or, you know, or with respect, you know, neighboring Wisconsin as well. Like, it's an interesting conversation for me because, you know, just, you know, just uh, for me, you and I, this is the first time you and I have ever talked. So it's like, I grew up in Minnesota. I've lived in North Dakota now for, you know, more than 10 years. Like, I, we're so spoiled out here in the Dakotas where the seasons don't shut down. So there's no like really anticipated opening day. It's sort of a, the transition whenever it does happen, you know, and we get rid of our ice and we get in the boat is, you know, it's kind of, um, it's less about the day on the calendar or the tradition or the, you know, the planning around it. It's just, it just goes from one to the next, but in Minnesota, it's a big tradition. It's, you know, even if you don't necessarily go out, you know, there's just all this pent up demand. There's great conversation. It's it's always a big deal. And you can't, even on the early years, you know, you can't target them prior to that day. So there's a lot of, like like you said, and I can, I can totally feel you on that answer. It's like when the conditions aren't right, 
you certainly haven't already been out there. I mean, at least on the inland lakes, like it's like you haven't been out there and it can be a, it can be a tough one. I mean, so it's like, you know, like what, how does a guy wrap his head around that with all that tradition and all that, you know, you want to get out. Um, but then how do you do it? You really have to roll with the punches and be adaptive. I think you, you know, on any given Minnesota opener, walleye opener um and you know the wisconsin for that matter you you pretty much have to pack the kitchen sink because you might be dealing with walleyes that are right in the middle of spawning and they could be up a river where you can't even access them you know so um you know that's where you might think about throwing for some crappies or something i remember one opener um, it was a, it was a tough opener. I was up on Leech Lake and everybody was, you know, there was a bunch of boats on Stony Point and just the classic walleye opener spots. Um, and I was right there and amongst all of them. And, and I, I probably sat there for an hour and made a drift through there. And I just, you know, this isn't happening you know when it's going down, you know, nets are flying, people are giggling, and, and you just see fish getting caught. And it was just, boy, everybody was singing the blues. And I, I packed up, and, and I went into one of my one of my little crappie bays that I know of, and, and, you know, I went and caught a limit of crappies, and I just was tickled pink. You know, that was that, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, made, yeah. that made for my opener. So being able to, to roll with the punches a little bit um, will definitely benefit you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's such a fair point because it's like, yeah, like there's just so much pressure placed on the opener. You know, I mean, I think to, to produce a memory or to produce something, you know, it's like whether it's a destination deal or or if, you know, you're fishing a out your back porch or whatever. I mean, it, you know, for you, do you feel like the opener is more of a, you know, a, a destination fishery? Like, like you'll pick a capital walleye factory and go to it and, 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 and enjoy something like that. Or do you feel like the opener is, is better spent, uh, you know, more romantically on a home body of water? Oh gosh. I'm, I'm, I am indifferent on it, but I know a lot of people have a, preconceived notion they're like i'm going to that you know three years ago we pounded them on that spot on winnie or leech or malax or whatever it might be so i mean you've you've uh he you kind of i'm as guilty as anybody of it of fishing memories but that's that's what happens when the big opener is bearing down on you you think about you 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 remember those times you had on the water and you want to do it again you know but uh unfortunately those don't always pan out and so that's where that's where you know you might have to go pick up a go pick up a rod and throw around for some smallmouths or for bass or crappies or something like that but you know give it your all with the walleye thing and do what you can and sometimes some sometimes you might you might land on them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, what, what are you forecasting for this year? Right? Like we've got this, I mean, we're, we're a little bit ahead of this right now, this conversation. So we don't really know. We got to do a little bit of forecasting. Um, 
but uh, obviously a super late spring. Like, what do you see going on, or, or even just generally speaking, on a, on a late spring, the conditions that you know anglers are likely going to be faced with? Um, like, what do you see kind of you know being the recipe for success across you know like where you're at around where you're at what are anglers going to be what are the going to be the big challenges around you around there and what do you think guys are going to have to do to be successful on the walleye front um there might there might be a good window there where you can get into a good pre-spawn walleye bite potentially um if this drags on late enough into the into the spring I mean, currently, as we talk about this, there's an average of almost two feet of ice on the lakes currently. You know, we're looking at the end of April here, and so it's like, holy cow, we gotta, we we, we need to move this along. Um, there's a number of things that could happen. We could we could have a real warm up, lose all of our ice, and all the walleyes could run up into the rivers and you might have very limited access to walleyes, you know, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully uh, the ice goes out at a, at a, at a good rate here where opener falls on, uh, on a a time where the walleyes are just starting to nose into that current and uh, they're still accessible. That's the biggest thing is are those walleyes accessible? Because I've gone into some areas that look like no more than a duck slough. Um, I have a friend that has some property um, off of Pokegama. And we went in there one spring. And you wouldn't believe the gigantic walleyes that were laid up in this little less than two feet of water duck slough. I mean, you there's no way you were going to get to them. You know, and there are just some big hens laid up in in this shallow water, you know, just spawning. And and I mean, when that goes on, that's where most of those fish are. So, you know, you have some main lake spawners, of course, but uh, you know, I tend to I tend to think a lot of those fish head into the rivers. You know, I uh, as we speak here the the uh, the whitefish chain um i used to always go down there as a little kid every spring go down to the pine river the mouth of the pine river the dnr has some nets and you can go look at some absolute units that are laid up in the in the pens there and um you know that's where a lot of those big ones go i believe Every opportunity that we have to go out on the water fishing is a chance to make a memory. It's a chance to learn and grow as an angler. Ultimately, these are our fishing adventures. Now, if you want to take your fishing adventures to the next level, in 2023, the state of North Dakota is putting on the 2023 Sport Fish Challenge. Now, the process to complete this challenge is simple. You catch a bluegill, a walleye, a bass, and a trout. Take pictures of each of those species and submit the entry to the North Dakota Game and Fish website. The link is in the description. Anglers that complete the challenge will receive a decal that they can proudly display, which obviously would look excellent on a cooler or a tackle box or a water bottle, anywhere that people can see it and you can brag about it. For full challenge details, 
Again, visit the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov backslash fish hyphen challenge. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. We talk about the fishing all the time on this show, but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer, which is way more than we ever talk about on this show, you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that. We're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community. There's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of Devil's Lake. Also, our favorite, the fishing tab. It's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. And, and it just, uh, like you said, it's such a moving target year to year where they can be. And on a late year, yeah, you just almost got to, you almost got to get creative. It might be a time everything's going to be shallow enough or just sort of in the nooks and crannies, you know, just sort of, you know, feeling its way through the spawn. It might be a deal where the kayak anglers or the canoe, you know, or the shore anglers are going to be, um, are going to have, you know, as good a season as ever. I mean, it could end up being like one of those deals where a guy's got to get a little bit more nuanced, don't you think? Oh yeah. And I've, I've been there, done that, um, where we've floated canoes down the, down the pine river and, and you try and pick off a few walleyes that are, that are willing and able to bite, you know, they can get a little funky when they get right in the midst of, uh, of the spawn and they can get, you know, pretty hard to catch, especially once the spawn is over and they start sliding back out into deeper water. But if you can, if you can catch them just before they spawn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kayaks, canoes, wading, just bank, even bank fishing. That can be, that can be just a a ball. And that might be what we're looking at this year. As far as the spring, as far as the spring is uh, going, I hope not. You know, I hope not. I hope uh, I hope things hold off a little bit so everybody can get a good shallow walleye bite. I mean, that's that's what everybody's really looking for is a good shallow water, big in a minnow, pre-spawn walleye bite. I mean, that's that's about from a learning, you know, like uh, aspect. What have been some of the some of the things that you've picked up? In your career, you know, as you've built your skills as, uh, as an angler, your thought process, your strategy, technical, uh, you know, uh, techniques, presentations, maybe advancements in technology. Like when you think about fishing early on in the year, uh, you know, around the opener, shortly after the opener, um, uh, you know, over there in Minnesota, like what are some of the things, what's part of your strategy that you feel like has been something that you've learned or developed, or do you feel like you fish pretty old school early in the year? The biggest thing would be that if there is one thing I had to pinpoint and one thing only, and it's, it's very rudimentary, but it's a lot of, it's, it's something that a lot of people forget. And that is simply warm water find the warmest water you can generally that is going to be 
the place you are going to be able to find active biting fish, fish that you can actually catch. You know, if it's, if, if, if the ice just goes out on your lake, the, you know, on opener or the first day you get the boat in the water or, or whatever it might be. I mean, that, that warm water, finding the warmest water that lake has to offer on that day is probably the most important thing to figure out. Where is that warm water? You know, I could probably share this because that, that really resonates with me big time. And, um, you know, just sort of in my career, my short career in fishing, like getting electronics and learning all these things, like, you know, the idea of driving around and looking at electronics uh, for fish uh, or checking spots, whether I'm on my home body of water or especially on my home body of water, because I, I'm, I'm less of a destination angler. I, I, I like to, uh, I like to build up thoughts and, and time to fish my home body of water. But the difficulty with that is that I, a lot of times probably overvalue. And I think a lot of people ought to relate to me on this. Hopefully they can admit it, but like, I feel like I probably on average overvalue my memories, you know, that like I maybe know too much, but like the idea of driving around and looking for that warm water and just how important that is you know, before you get too settled in and let the day get away from you, say fishing the wrong, the wrong area, or just fishing in, in a, an area that just, you know, where you wish you would have checked more spots and wish you would have figured more things out. Because I think that that happens to me for sure. And, um, yeah, man, would you say that that's something that you learned early on in your career? You- um, well, I think that was, a that particular thing was something I learned on very learned very early on that was uh that was one of the things that my dad taught me and one of the things that we would we'd look for and we had a few spots uh on the whitefish chain and we'd go either from the boat or from the bank and and find crappies catch crappies you know go catch a pail of crappies and and have them for dinner um, along with that, you'd have some bass and some bluegills and, and whatnot. Enough fish to, to entertain a guy, you know. I'm not going to sit here and say that the most fish are going to be right where that warm water is. That's that's not the case. Right, exactly. That's the point, right? You're talking about active fish or giving yourself a chance to get bit, right? To get bit. That That's the biggest thing. You, want, you go fishing, you want to get bit. Chances are the fish in that warmer water are going to be easier to catch than the fish that are hanging out down that haven't moved up yet or or, or down in 20 feet still. I'm not saying you can't catch them, but they most of the time are going to be a little harder to catch. That's going to be a a more, you know, that might be more of an electronics game and where you're going to have to, switch different lures and colors and try a bunch of different things to get those fish to go. You know, once you get into that warm water, those fish are going to be a little less discerning and and are going to probably be easier to catch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a phenomenal point. I'm really glad you explained it that way because like I said, that's a, that's, that's a been a, a very, like an ongoing, that's been a journey for me. I think that's the way I typically put it is, uh, you know, just learning some of those behaviors as an angler 
that, um, you know, and we're not even talking about walleye specifically. We're just saying find those productive, the productive water on any body of water, on any lake, whatever your lake is early in the year and, and just, and just be fishy and just, you know, fish around and, and see what's going. Um, you know, if, if you're only looking for crappies, if you're only looking for walleyes, it's still the same. It's still the same message. It's still the same takeaway. It sure can. It sure can be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What would you say? I mean, if we were going to, you know, maybe include some recommendations or just some ideas, um, you know, if you were going to make a list or maybe a top three presentations to have in the boat i mean you already kind of talked about early in the year you got to be prepared for a lot of things but on a year like this what do you think are gonna be the top producers you can't beat a jig and a minnow that's gonna be number that's probably gonna be number number one number two is gonna be probably a jigging rapala for me might seem a little quick but there's, you know, you can kind of slow down a jig and rapala. Um, and then, yeah, some, probably some other type of minnow bait. I'd probably do a little bit of trolling maybe with a, with a shad wrap or, a, or a, even an original floater, something of that nature. It typically ends up being pretty tried and true, right? You know, it's it's not it's not necessarily always the, you know, the the opportunity to really flex something totally brand new, right? I mean, I I think that's a good I think that's just a good solid list for sure. You know, I'll just kind of go down the list and pressure you with some questions. Now we talk about the jig and a minnow, no questions asked. Uh, uh, I think you're a hundred percent spot on. That's going to be the most uh, widely used presentation uh, or pattern by anybody but for you um you know what would be your setup recommendation i mean do you do you have uh, for the lakes that you might fish or the fa- lakes you've fished in the past when you say jigging a minnow what is your rod reel setup you know what are sort of the important elements in your mind to a good jigging a minnow uh, a j- good jigging a minnow setup well that's going to be a little bit depending but for the most part, God forbid it's freezing temperatures. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. If it was, there'd be one little thing I would throw in about using a good uh, mono. Braid will get a little temperamental in freezing temperatures. Um, like I said, that's a little side note. If things got real extreme, a light, light, light fluoro or mono six pound um but then rod and reel is probably going to be the same for the most part um typical typical combo for me i tend to like a little bit longer rod most guys like a kind of a shorter rod for hopping a jig along i kind of like i prefer a longer rod uh somewhere around the seven foot to seven three even seven six potentially do you like that do you like that for fighting fish or for the cadence i like it for fighting fish yeah 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 and then i like i like a longer rod i feel it's a little bit more forgiving when when a walleye picks up that jig um if he if he kind of picks if he kind of catches it on a hop and 
I, I that that softer, a little bit more. It's a little bit limber tip. You can also kind of bow to him a little more and give him a, a an extra a second to bite. You know, you've got a little more rod to to swing back his way if you don't feel he's got it real well. Um, that's just a preference. I mean, a fish shorter rods, they're great. They work well. Uh, I like casting a jig a little bit. You know, I can get a little more distance. I feel with a little bit longer rod. Um, jig specifically, probably like anywhere from a eighth ounce to quarter ounce. It's just going to be all depending on on where you find those fish. Generally, they're going to be up shallower, so sometimes that lighter jig is going to be nice a little slower fall or if you're just kind of popping it across the bottom or just dragging it across the bottom even um a lighter jig is is gonna get you a little less hung in either of the rocks or just any garbage on the you know any any crud or debris on the bottom of the lake and then probably an eight or ten pound braid I tend to tie a fluorocarbon or a mono leader to that that runs usually six, give or take, six feet. And then with like a 2,000, 3,000 size spinning reel, that's going to be a, just a good meat and potatoes walleye setup for me. Maybe your number two, your personal number two might be a jig and wrap that you would maybe try. Um, do you feel like, is that maybe something that, um, you know, if the bite is a little bit hotter, a little bit more aggressive, that you're just going to take the opportunity to run that? Or do you feel like you can finesse that a little bit too, if need be? Yeah, a little bit of both. I can, you, you know, with a, a little bit longer rod, you can kind of hover, or I shouldn't say hover, but when you go to snap that jig and wrap off the bottom, as it falls back down, you can kind of slow that fall down, kind of follow that back down. And it's just not as quick. Cause that's mostly, you know, that's really when a jig and wrap is probably the most deadly is when the water temperatures are a little bit warmer and fish are, you know, they're done spawning. They're set up on main lake humps and points and you can just rifle through a bunch of water with a jig and wrap and you can run fast, but you still, you know, have the benefits of an artificial bait where you're not dealing with live bait. And, um, you know, where, where a perch takes your minnow or you cast your minnow off or, you know, all those little inconveniences that come with live bait fishing. You know, in a setup like that, we'll kind of, you know, I'd love to hear kind of what your favorite go-to setups are for jig and wraps. But do you feel, you feel like, you know, especially early, if you, you have more control or you can manipulate the speed of that bait in terms of the fall uh, it, it, you know, if it's a early in the year, you feel like that rod length, is that kind of the more important thing there? Yeah. If you have a shorter rod, just tighten up on your hop, just, just kind of tighten up. You know, you don't have to rip it as far. I would say, um, probably for, you know, for the most part, a little bit shorter rod is probably going to be a little more beneficial for the jigging wrap in particular. Um, you just won't have a tendency to move it as much, you know. Um, I I will use one or the other. 
I definitely like a little longer rod for the jig, but the jigging wrap, I will, I will sometimes use a longer rod, shorter rod. It, it really just kind of depends on what's going on. Um, but both are good. You just kind of have to be a little more cognizant. I feel like when it's colder water, just kind of yeah. move the bait a bit slower to smaller hops, let the bait fall, um, kind of follow that as it falls down with your rod tip a little more so so it has a little more hang time you know there's a there's a few other <clears throat> grapple of baits out there that are uh, similar to the jigging wrap and those are actually much lighter and I'm, I'm kind of excited to play around with those a little bit more they're fairly new um, I believe they're called a jigging shadow wrap. I think that might have a have a pretty good place here with some colder water. That'll be a that'll be kind of a fun one to to play with. I think there's a little bit of forgiveness there when you know when it's it's a little bit lighter. It's got a big profile. I talked to a tournament angler Dewey Jelm, uh, walleye tournament guy. Uh, he's a rapala guy, and we talked about a couple weeks back about that. And uh, yeah, I think that that one's gonna be. That sounds like that's going to be a, a nice bait, um, you know, a glide bait uh, for a lot of folks and, and be a big confidence builder if they're still looking for, for confidence in their glide bait game. But definitely, uh, probably, uh, uh, I think I have one tied on right now. I, I was rigging rods here recently, and I plan on giving it a test uh, in these cooler water temps for sure myself. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. And I think for me, a lot of that is like, it's just a, for me, it's a fun way to catch a fish. I love fishing glide baits and it's just kind of a fun way to catch a fish. So even if other people might disagree with you, um, I do agree with you that like, you know, to some extent, you know, in my first couple of presentations, I'm both looking for maybe what's best or what I should be doing, but I'm also trying to sneak in stuff with, that I just really like to do. <laughs> I just really, that's just a fun way to catch a fish. Absolutely. It's always fun to mess around and just experiment a little bit, especially yeah. if you get on, uh, especially if you get on a good bite where, you know, there's a wad of fish sitting there and you've, let's say you've got a few on the jig and minnow. Well, let's pick up something else and throw at them. You know, what would be some things, you know, questions that you get super regularly, you know, this time of year or, you know, just topics that are really popular this time of year that we could uh, address right here while we still got a little bit of time. Does anything come to mind that you feel like is some uh, questions or that you guys are just constantly trying to answer? Oh, man. Um, I mean, the. Uh... I hate to open up the can of worms with the electronics these days, but I get a lot of questions. I just today I had a guy text me about, you know, forward facing sonar is is uh, the real kind of the hot topic these days. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. <laughs> Whether that has anything to do with walleye opener or not, I guarantee you, there's going to be people out there using it. You know, just just talking about that a little bit. Obviously, we can't just go run another thirty minutes on it um, because yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we just ain't got the time. But next time we will. Next time we will for sure, Kyle. But I'm I, I, I'm glad that you bring that up. That is like the most honest answer because uh, working in the industry, you know, over here doing what we do, man, forward sonar it is a huge question, and I think, you know, for me, 
I've learned a ton from forward-facing sonar without even having it. You know, just the conversations and and the learning that people speak on. You know, whether you're whether you have it or not. Um, you know, if you don't have it, you might not be able to entertain a conversation about you know presentations or you know just some, you know some technical ways of using it. But the things that we've learned from it have been a tremendous uh, uh, influence on the industry and and how people fish, even without it. Man, I I think that there's a lot of positivity and good good influence from forward sonar it doesn't necessarily have to be a you know real controversial thing no it, it doesn't at all um you can't argue the fact that you learn about fish behavior how fish react to your lure um it's i mean that in itself if there is nothing else it's like holy cow it is an absolute eye-opener it is it's just um it's fascinating to to learn where you know fish hang out you know you 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 hear and read so much about traditional things whether it's from magazine or or tv or you know there's there's a lot of things that we were taught about fish that I think is really ingrained in people's head and they just don't want to let it go. Yeah. Where now it's like these fish are in places that you, I mean, you, you wouldn't dream of them being, it's just amazing where you can find fish. I think that's true early in the year too. I mean, I, I, I feel like we have to have open mind like that. Um, and that's true even without, having it in your boat if you can hear this and take that as a lesson like and you you know maybe kind of expand your mind a little bit you know look at what you do but maybe modify it to imagine that you know especially in clear water situations the fish don't like getting too close to you so can you get your lures just away from you a little bit and try that for half a day i mean i know for me that's been an absolute monster you know without forward sonar on the boat but knowing that maybe pitching jigs you know, and finessing things up a little bit and running an electric trolling motor, you know, when you're trolling instead of the kicker to troll cranks or, you know, getting stuff away from the boat and, and uh, you know, just uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's the difference between, for me anyways, it's the difference between, you know, both quantity and quality. So, I mean, it's a, it's an important thing to sure. mention, important, important conversation sure. to have for sure. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that's been floating around the fishing industry for sure. That's uh, gotten a lot of a lot of ears. Yeah, man. Anything else that we close this out? I mean, we've been on the phone for better part of an hour now. What uh, what what would be a good closer? Do you have any plans for the opener personally yet? I I try to be very flexible when it comes to the Minnesota walleye opener. I I pretty much won't know what I'm doing until the day before, and I've got a pretty good beat on what the weather might be doing. It's good for me. It's going to be all dictated by the weather. <laughs> right on. That's probably a good way to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to be like, yep. You'll see me on on Walker Bay and Leech Lake come opener, but I just I can't promise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel I mean, are when you say that, do you say do you feel like you're just 
you stay uh, uh, open to any and all ideas? Like, would you would you travel for the opener if you felt like you know maybe you had a memory somewhere that you wanted to go snatch, or or uh, or, or would you prefer conditions to be uh, conditions to allow you to stick around home? Like, like what's that for you? Oh yeah, I, I I don't have any problem jumping in the truck and heading somewhere. Not at all. I I would be up for it. I will probably hang around this area, but if there's something that that happens weather-wise, and I, you know, like we were talking earlier, if there's something that spurs a a memory that was like, you know what, I remember that one time late in the year we had a real cold opener, or we had, you know, this or that. I'll try and I'll try and recall that and see if I can't replicate it. For sure, absolutely. I appreciate the conversation and uh, we'll just wrap it up, man. Promote anything you want to promote. If anybody ever has any questions or is uh, maybe looking to reach out to you or maybe get in touch with some of your content, um, where can they look? Oh yeah. You can, uh, you can look on, I mean the, the first and foremost, uh, check out wiredofish.com. That'll be where uh, you can track us down. Um, Video content, uh, written articles. There's, there's all kinds of stuff there. Um, if you're a YouTube person, got a YouTube channel, Instagram, all of that. It's all there. Wired to fish. That's wired to the number two fish. Definitely got a very, um, influential brand in wired to fish. And I think it's a product of all you guys being just hard workers and just loving what you do. And um, that's the kind of stuff that's interesting to me. I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to drive the industry for a lot longer, um, you know, than maybe some of the other stuff that's a little bit more see-through um, or a little, uh, little bit more thin on, uh, on, uh, on passion and, and, uh, and ability. I think you guys got a good product. So I appreciate what you do as well, man. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. Yeah. Well, if you ever make it to Minnesota, hit me up. We'll go fish. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Maybe I'll do that. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you, Kyle. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Once again, this episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by Devil's Lake Tourism. Head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. And you're going to find out everything that the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer before you plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. This podcast is brought to you by the North Dakota Game and Fish. In the 2023 fishing season, the state of North Dakota is putting on the 2023 Sport Fish Challenge, a challenge to catch a multi-species bluegill, walleye, bass, and trout. Take a picture of each of those species and enter to the Game and Fish website, gf.nd.gov backslash fish hyphen challenge. That link is in the description if you didn't catch all that. Anglers that complete the challenge are going to win a decal and a bunch of bragging rights. The decal they can display anywhere that they want to proudly. Obviously, it would look fantastic on tackle boxes, coolers, water bottles, lunchbox, a bait bucket, anything that uh, people are going to see so that they can brag about it. Again, the link is in the description of this podcast.